You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Women's Hope Podcast, and Happy New Year! This is our first recording of 2021, and we are excited. Shelby and I are thrilled to be back in uh, the Masters University recording studio, kicking off the new year of 2021. And we are so thankful for our faithful listeners. Thank you so much, Women of Hope, for uh, being with us. We love each and every one of you. If you are new to Women's Hope, we also thank you for joining us. We're excited that you're here with us, and you couldn't have joined us on a better day if you ask me. Shelby, tell me real quick before we introduce our very special guest, Mm-hmm. Tell me about your Christmas. I had well, a great Christmas, good. despite good. all the COVID stuff, right? <laughs> no, I had the best Christmas because Sean and I welcomed our second grandbaby on December 22nd, just a few days before Christmas. What a wonderful thing to celebrate. And, if, and you know, she's she's so cute. She's like 20 days old today, I think. And uh, that was that, that amazing. Yeah, the pink bow. <laughs> My daughter-in-law loves to put bows on her, even though she's so tiny. And of course, we uh, got to spend Christmas with our oldest daughter and her husband and our first grandchild when it was his first Christmas. So that was just a joy. Um, But mostly we just laid low and just had a chance to, I think, reflect even deeper on our Savior. I think it was a really wonderful Christmas for just more reflection. I would totally agree on that. How about you, friend? Well, I think you probably just answered what I was going to say because I really feel like because we are far away from family and because of COVID— um, and because my husband is a pastor and the, the things that we weren't able to do that we normally get to do, it was much quieter in our home. And so, you know, I had to really renew my mind often, right, mm-hmm. uh, to say this is God's plan for you and it's okay for it to be quiet. And so I went through Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lonely, which was the perfect timing Mm -hmm. for that um, because it just gave me a real sweetness of Matthew when Jesus is being introduced as Emmanuel and says, God with us. And I knew I wasn't alone. I knew I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. He is with me. And so I could rejoice in that. Um, And the quietness, just like you said, gave me so much more time for reflection. And so, yeah, learning contentment in that and gratitude in that through the process was good. So not yeah. not on the top of my list as far as <laughs> gatherings and right. all, the, all the things. Um, but, you know, when you can't do all those things, it also helps when you get back on the scale after the first uh, year. So. <laughs> amen. Amen to that. Anyway. Anyway. So... <clears throat> We are very, very excited today because we have a very special guest. Mm-hmm. Can I use very more? Yes, okay. I think so. Okay. Because, Daryl, you are so precious 
to us and we we like you a lot, Daryl. <laughs> but we love Melissa. <laughs> and Melissa is in here. I promised I would not bring her into the conversation, but that I would welcome her. Um, so we have really two special guests here today. Indeed. I get that a lot, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> My husband does too. I get that a lot. We take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Good, good. Yeah, well, we, we're grateful for both of you, and uh, we're just so grateful that um, you not just joined us today, but you moved out to California to take on a job. Um, and, you know, people really questioned why in the world you would move out here. And um, it was really fun as I was watching that whole thing transpire on social media, people going, why in the world would you move to California? And after everybody made all of their statements, you just jumped in and said, this is where God has me. Indeed. This Indeed. is where he has me. And so I just, I was applauding you, well, thank you. <laughs> when that happened. And then I knew that you would be close enough that a French, a, a physical friendship mm-hmm. could, to you know, develop with the two of you. And so David and I love you. You guys have been out to our church mm-hmm. and uh, we hope to have you again when some of this, uh, Uh, COVID stuff settles down, Lord willing. So I want to just introduce our friend Daryl to you. Daryl has a blog called Just Thinking for Myself, uh, which has more than 22,000 subscribers. And he is also the lead host of the Just Thinking podcast, which is one of the top ranked Christian podcasts in America with nearly 2 million episodes downloaded. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That is that is just incredible and you just see God's hand using you guys Thank and it, you. it it is so encouraging Thank to you, to see that. Um, Daryl is also a fellow of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute at Princeton Theological Seminary. And he is a graduate of the Theology and Ministry Program at Princeton. Daryl is currently in the final phase of becoming certified as a biblical counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Give you a holla. Yay! We're so excited about that. And Melissa is working on hers as well. Mm -hmm. She is working really hard. Good. If I say so myself, she's working really hard. Good. Good. Very, very excited about that. And she has a built-in support system as well where you go to church at Grace Community. And then, of course, having two friends who are and more friends that are biblical counselors. We are behind you 100 percent. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So we're very excited about that. You guys reside in Valencia, California, and you have three adult children, Colin, Naomi, and Yasmin, Mm -hmm. and they all reside in the other great state, Georgia. Yes. uh, Personally speaking, like I said, we just love you and are so grateful to God for the work that you're doing. Even this morning, uh, someone texted me and said, hey, I'm praying, please tell Daryl, he has really helped me to inform my thinking on social justice. And uh, you just know you are very appreciated in this world that we live in that is so confusing right now. 
Thank you. We're Thank very, you so much. Yeah, very grateful that you're here. So the reason that I picked the topic today is because you truly are the dean of social media. <laughs> I love that title. Um, you make a living using mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. to spread the gospel, uh, to share scriptural truth. Mm-hmm. You work for Grace to You. Yes. Uh, and your job at Grace to You is handling the social media. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, your job centers around this, and you really do use it for the glory of God. Um, And just thinking of one of the things that is plaguing our church right now so much with this whole social justice movement, and you are being such a wonderful voice. And that just, to me, is something to praise the Lord for. And uh, we we pray for you, thank you because Kim. we want you to keep it up. Thank you so much. Yeah, and it's not an easy voice to it have. It is not. It is not. I I would say that uh, you take a lot of heat. Yes. Our listeners are very friendly. I'm gonna use a friend these days. <laughs> <laughs> so I I know that you know you have harder truths that you you work through. And uh, in this day and age, and so I know that you do catch heat. Yes. But I pray for you to stay strong, brother. Thank you, Kim. Thank so, you. Thank you too, Shelby. Thank yeah. You. So, Shelby, mm-hmm. what do you have to say to Mr. Darrell? Oh, so much. I mean, it's almost like I just want to talk to you. It's like we have such a good friend here. Um, well, first of all, I just want to thank you and Virgil. Um, just for helping us to think well through the current issues that we're often faced with today in our progressive society, yes. right? It's mm-hmm. kind of the new word. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I personally have grown so much in my biblical understanding um, when it just do in large part to your podcast, especially when it comes to some of these social issues. Mm-hmm. We don't often just get a chance to think through those really carefully and critically mm-hmm. and biblically. And um, the first time that I actually um, got to see you, I don't know if you remember this, I think it was a couple of summers ago, you were on, it was Summers in July at Grace. Yes. And you were on a panel with my pastor, who's Carl Hargrove. Mm And a dear brother, uh, Hancho. Hancho, yeah. Um, and you, you guys were just talking about some of these issues because it was becoming an issue. Yes. Um, we were talking about it a lot, and it just was so helpful. I had asked you a question about reparation, mm-hmm. and you really helped me to understand that issue so so well. And I think I was a little surprised at your answer too, but it was it was good. It was really good, and I think that's when I subscribed to um, just thinking. Mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> you for gosh. subscribing, Shelby. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited and. And I might add that I ordered a coffee mug, which is very proudly displayed in my office because I'm a big fan. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, But I do, you want me to start off this morning with a question, right? We have lots of questions. Yeah, we want to get to the the nuts and bolts of this. So this is good. This is is a good question just to kind of get us started this morning. Um, So as believers, uh, we are representing Christ in all that we do. We would agree with that. In fact, we're reminded... the Westminster Catechism, right, that we are to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, um, which of course flows from Scripture. So as you consider just this sobering responsibility, um, what would be some scriptural truths and principles that you um, would be able to share with us or that you use before you even make a post even on your own personal account. And I guess it could include other accounts that you have, but we're probably more getting down to the personal area. So just kind of thinking through that, how would you encourage our listening audience today? Yeah, uh, first of all, Kim, Shelby, thanks again for having me on the Women's Hope Podcast. Um, 
I am beyond excited to be with you both uh, today. So thanks for having me on. You know, uh, Shelby, your question is a very good one. And as I ponder it, I'm reminded of something that the 19th century Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said in his sermon titled Love's Law and Life which he preached back on December 5th, 1886. And in that sermon, Spurgeon said this, quote, he said, it is not what your hands are doing, not even what your lips are saying. The main thing is what your heart is meaning and intending, unquote. Now, the reason I cite those words from Spurgeon is that they tie directly to the primary principle that I apply or that I I try to apply anyway, whenever I'm about to make a post on my personal social media accounts, and that principle is motive. That -hmm. principle is motive. You know, Proverbs 16.2 says, all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Now, Spurgeon said, it is not what your hands are doing, not even what your lips are saying. The main thing is what your heart is meaning and intending. Okay, so the truth is, Shelby, that for better or worse, right, everything you and I think, do, say, whether on or off social media, originates and flows from the motives that are resident in our heart. Now, Scripture codifies that reality in many places, including Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where we find the familiar exhortation to keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And conversely, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, the Apostle Paul exhorts believers to examine everything carefully. So if I'm to take Paul's exhortation to heart to examine everything carefully begins with an examination of my own heart. In other words, does what I'm about to say on my social media come from a pure motive or is it tinged with a sinful impetus or desire? Now, to clarify, I use the words pure motive knowing that even as believers, there is still remaining sin in all of us, okay? Nothing you or I do is done from an absolutely pure motive, right? Mm-hmm. So as the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, 6, even our best works are but filthy rags before God, right. all right? Conversely, the 17th century Puritan theologian John Owen said, there is a vast efficacy and power in the remainder of indwelling sin in believers and that it has a constant inclination towards evil. So when we talk about posting on social media, there are some really difficult realities that we have to face about ourselves before we strike the first character on that keyboard. Mm -hmm. Now, again, by using the words pure motive, I'm speaking strictly in the context of what the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So for me, the main principle of motive is always first and foremost. And that requires a constant self-examination of my own heart before posting anything on my social media accounts. Amen. That's so good. Spoken like a true biblical counselor, I might add. I'm telling you, he's qualified. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Where I'm, I'm really thankful. And it was really good as I was just reading over what we were talking about, because it just reminded me of so many uh, passages that are in scripture mm-hmm. that tell us, like you said, to guard our heart, mm-hmm. right? Um, that 
I also think of what I was taught years ago by B. Mayhew mm-hmm. in Psalm 139:24, of, you know, examine my heart, Lord, show me if there is any wrong way mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is something that I should be doing all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember B saying we should do that daily when we pray, but I think we need to take it even further because we are so engaged with people all over the world um, through social contact mm-hmm. that we need to be thinking about our motives, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. because a wrong motive, a wrong way in me mm-hmm. is going to come out on a keyboard, right? Yes. It, it, it will show itself very quickly. So, and and I was also thinking of just not what we present to others, but ultimately where our accountability lies. Mm-hmm. And Matthew 12, 36 gives us that sobering reminder that says, but I tell you for every careless word mm-hmm. that people speak, mm-hmm. they will give an account on the day mm-hmm. of judgment. Mm-hmm. And so there is this greater accountability, right? It's not about hurting someone's feelings, but it's about, like you said, Shelby, glorifying God. So we know there are times that uh, we have pushed the post button or the send button on an email or a comment, and immediately afterwards, we regret it. (laughs) We are like, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't have sent that. Maybe it wasn't seasoned uh, with grace. Uh, maybe, maybe I should have thought a, a little more carefully about that. So what are some practical things for our listeners that we can do better to prevent this from happening? And when it does happen, how we can make it right? Well, let me, let me answer that question, uh, Kim, by starting by confessing my own guilt of having done that on several occasions. In fact, I've been guilty of that. And in confessing my guilt, I'm not speaking of regretting something I posted that had a typo or was perhaps missing some punctuation. Now, those are innocuous mistakes uh, that that can be frustrating for sure, especially on Twitter, because there's no edit button on Twitter as there is on Facebook, for example, right? But I'm speaking specifically of regretting having posted something that was objectively sinful, according to Scripture, okay? So when I say objectively sinful, that means according to what Scripture says, a sin is, okay, and which subsequently and immediately brought the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon me for having posted it. So Mm -hmm. when I say I'm guilty of having done that, I'm not talking about innocuous things that, you know, you you sort of unconsciously did. But when you post something that's objectively sinful according to Scripture, yeah, I've done that. I've done that. We all have. Mm -hmm. We Uh, all have. Guilty. (laughs) But in answer to your question, there are at least three practical steps, okay? And I want to emphasize at least three. I'm not being dogmatic that these are the only three, but there are at least three practical steps that I think that we as believers can take. And and I I love your question when you talked, you you made it a two-part question. You know, when when that happens, what do we do Mm -hmm. to make it right? To make it right. I really like that part of the question. So here's three practical steps that I think believers at least at a minimum can do to remedy those situations and make those situations right. Number one is what I call conduct a post-posting heart check, a post-posting heart check. Now, that may sound redundant to your listeners, but it isn't. And what I mean by a post-post heart check is that once you've realized you've posted something you regret, 
immediately conduct an assessment of your own heart by asking yourselves these questions or questions like these, okay? First of all, what was my motive for saying that in the way that I said it? Mm. What was my motive for saying that the way that I said it? What idol or what, quote, golden calf, unquote, was I serving in that moment that motivated me to say those exact words? What idol? What, 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 what idol was I serving in the few seconds that it took me to compose and send that social media post? What self-reward was I seeking by having posted that comment? Hmm. And as you contemplate those kinds of questions before God, I want to encourage your listeners to write them down. Write, the, write down the things that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind and meditate on those things. You want to turn it almost into a little uh, private Bible study. So you want to write those things down as you meditate and contemplate what the Holy Spirit brings to your mind and think on those things through the Word of God so that you can begin to build what I call a biblical theology of social media. Hmm. And what I mean when I say the phrase biblical theology of social media, I mean inculcating into your social media usage the principles of Scripture, so that you're not just doing it on a one, one-off sort of haphazard way. You're being conscious always of what Scripture is saying about what you're saying on social media and how you're saying it. Okay, so number one is conduct a post-posting heart check. Number two is immediately and sincerely confess your sin to God. Immediately and, and sincerely confess your sin to God. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, Kim, when the Israelites were defeated by the Philistines, as Joshua chapter 7, God told Joshua that it was because Achan had sinned by taking into his household items that had been forbidden by God. Now, ultimately, Achan and his entire family were dealt with very seriously by Joshua and the Israelites. But I have to say that I do admire the confession that Achan made about his sin in Joshua chapter 7, verse 20, which reads as follows. Achan said, truly, I love this. Achan said, truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. And this is what I did. He said, when I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. Now, notwithstanding the circumstances that contributed to Achan's confession, what I appreciate most about it is that it was so specific. Mm -hmm. It was so explicit. Achan not only confessed that he had sinned against God, and all sin is first and foremost against God. We know right. that, right? Right. Achan was also very specific about what sin he'd committed. Okay? Achan's confession, I think, is a model for us as believers of what genuine confession of sin looks like. And just secondarily, as, as an aside, let me say this. Aiken's example of confession of his sin is also an example that we don't always avoid the consequences of our sin just by virtue of confessing that sin. Hmm. We don't always get to choose our consequences. We don't get to choose our consequences. Aiken paid dearly, I'll say. dearly mm -hmm. for his sin, even though he confessed it. But his confession, I would argue, is a beautiful model for us as believers 
of what genuine confession of sin looks like. And we know from John, First John 1, 9, right? Here's mm-hmm. the hope. First mm-hmm. John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, that God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, number one, conduct a post-post heart check. Number two, immediately and sincerely confess your sins to God. And then lastly, number three is confess to and ask forgiveness of the person or people who were impacted by what you posted on social media, by what you said. Um, In James chapter five, verse 16, believers are commanded to confess our sins to one another. And to confess means to say the same thing about your sin that God says about it. Right. All right. Sin is a destroyer of fellowship. Mm-hmm. It's a destroyer of fellowship. It's the destroyer of our fellowship with God and with one another. And unconfessed sin is even worse because it just festers within the heart in such a way that it robs you and those around you of joy, peace, and perhaps more importantly, it robs you of a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, This is David. He says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, we can connect Psalm 32, verses 3 to 5, with 1 John 1, 9. Here we have yes. it right here, right. playing itself out. We have a New Testament truth playing itself out in the Old Testament. You know, and as I talk about this, uh, Kim, I'm reminded of a song that was uh, recorded by the Christian um, contemporary group uh, DC Talk back in 1996. Uh, DC Talk released a song titled Between You and Me, and it's an incredibly powerful song that stresses the importance of confession and forgiveness of sin. And the chorus of that song contains lyrics that I think we would all do well to take to, to heart. Uh, the, that, that chorus goes this way. This is just between you and me. I've got something to say. I want to get it straight before the sun goes down. Just between you and me, confession needs to be made. Recompense is my way to freedom. Those are some incredibly powerful words Mm -hmm. uh, from DC Talk from their song Between You and Me. So I would recommend those three practical steps, again, at a minimum, as a way to deal biblically with regretful social media posts and to take the initiative to make right those situations when they occur. So good. So good. And by the way, I miss DC Talk. Do you? I do. <laughs> I love I those do. guys. We I need, got to see them in concert them. once. They're wonderful, wonderful guys. Well, I those those three steps, I think, were just incredibly helpful. Um, I actually often teach my students to do a pre-post heart check. Mm. So I love how you include a post-posting mm. <laughs> heart check because I think we're just all in the same um, line of thinking. We want to be on the lookout for why we do what we do, you know, looking at the motives of the heart mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. desires that that ultimately, I think, just desire to seek self, yes. exalt self over God. Yes. Um, so just really important. Um, and, you know, just even thinking through this issue, it can also just be incredibly discouraging to see how easy it is for social media to become a venue for idol worship. Yes. Uh, for example, um, I have found that some may use social media to post things because at a heart level, 
what they really desire is to be affirmed by others, mm-hmm. something we call people-pleasing, right? Yes, right. Um, or maybe social media itself can be the idol um, where we just spend gobs of time on it and waste time, mm-hmm. and it just becomes nothing more than a distraction mm-hmm. um, that hinder people from using their time and energy to honor and glorify totally. the Lord. Um, and so how might uh, we encourage our listening audience if they're tempted in those ways that I've described, what would be some things, some wisdom you'd like to uh, throw out there for them? Yes, yeah, Shelby, another great question. You know, I read in a report recently that according to the World Health Organization, the WHO, that the average global lifespan, okay, global lifespan is now 72 years. And that if we assume that many people now start using social media as young as 10 years of age, mm-hmm. that means that the average person will spend a total of 3 million 462,390 minutes using social media over their lifetime. In other words, that's nearly six years and eight months of your life on social media based on the projections for the global social media use in 2020. That was as of 2020. Now, let's consider that in light of our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, to be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most Mm -hmm. of your time because the days are evil. Now, conversely, the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes contains several verses that warn us against spending what the writer of Ecclesiastes describes as, quote, the few years, unquote, of our life, pursuing things that have no eternal value or significance. That's in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18, and then chapter 6, verse 12. Now, imagine spending nearly seven years of your God-given life on this earth on social media. Just go ahead and subtract seven from your, for whatever your age is right now, go ahead and subtract seven years. Mm. Uh, you know, the, but the truth is you, you don't have to fall into that category of, 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 of having wasted so many years of your life on social media to be a social media idolater. Okay. You don't need to fall into that extreme category. There are Christians listening to me right now many of whom who have yet to reach the threshold of 72 years of age who are struggling with being able to put their cell phone down or their other smart device for even 30 minutes without checking for it, without checking for the latest TikTok or Instagram update or the latest text message or the latest like or share on Facebook or the latest photo that was posted to Pinterest. I mean, I could go on, but but I digress. I think you guys get the point. Um, but along those same lines of thought, there was an article published by LifeWire.com, which reported in 2020 that there were 1.8 million apps available on Apple's App Store. Now, multiply that 1.8 million apps available by the more than 100 million people in the United States alone who own an iPhone. And the opportunities for social media to become an idol in people's lives are infinite. Mm -hmm. I mean, the truth is, much of the time that we as Christians spend on social media for one reason or another is because we're seeking the approval of the adoration of of others. I completely agree with you, uh, Shelby, on that point. And that's idolatry. That's idolatry. Now, having said that, my encouragement, okay, 
my encouragement to professing believers who may find themselves tethered to social media in a way that does not honor or glorify God is to turn to God in prayer and ask him to reorient your affections toward Jesus Christ and to his all sufficiency to meet your every need. Now, I say that in light of Colossians chapter three, verses two and three, right? Where we're exhorted to set or fix our minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As the Apostle Peter assures us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, Peter goes on in verses 5 and 6 of that same chapter to say, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. Self-control. Now, Shelby Kim, if you were to pin me down and ask me what is the one attitude that Christians should make an effort to exhibit more consistently on social media, I would not hesitate to say that it is the attitude of self-control. Because that's where chaos resides right now. Exactly right. Chaos, matter of fact, that's a great way to describe how the manifestation of self of a lack of self-control looks as chaos, right? As chaos. Scripture is clear that self-control is a manifestation of the fruit of the spirit. What else does scripture say? That God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of confusion. God's not a God of chaos. Um, Which reminds me on a paper titled fruits of solitude, fruits of solitude, the 18th century Quaker, William Penn said this, William Penn said, quote, time is what we want most, but what, alas, we use worst, Mm -hmm. and for which God will certainly most strictly reckon with us when time shall be no more. When time shall be no more. Penn says that that's the issue that God's going to judge us more more harshly on. It's because I wasted time. Mm. Um, The Apostle Paul exhorted the Ephesians uh, to be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most use of your time. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. So, again, from a standpoint of encouragement, if you're a believer who is struggling with demonstrating self-control, particularly in the area of social media, I humbly urge you in the spirit of 1 John chapter 2, Verse 15, which says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. And social media is one of those things that's in the world. I urge you to go to God in prayer and confess to him that you've not been wisely stewarding. And I use the word stewarding deliberately Mm -hmm. because each of us who is a believer is a steward of the time. We are stewards of every breath that we've taken in the few minutes that we've been talking about this issue. Okay, go to God in prayer and confess to him that you've not been wisely stewarding the time, which by his grace and mercy, he has given you and ask him to work in your heart so as to create a desire in you to empty yourself of any worldliness that may be resident in your heart. And I have to challenge your listeners here, Kim and Shell, because you we, we know our heart. We know it. Now, we try to lie to ourselves and say mm-hmm. what our heart is convicting us about is not true. Yeah, we're really good at deceiving ourselves we're really sometimes. Good at self-deception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm encouraging you to be honest with yourself. 
there's worldliness in your heart, confess that and be confident, confess that confident that as I mentioned earlier in 1 John 3, 21, that if your heart doesn't condemn you, God will forgive you. He will forgive you. That's 1 John, again, 1 John 1, 9. So test your motives. Test if your motives are right and true. Ask God to reveal to you if your motives are not right and true. And know that you have a loving and merciful Savior who understands your weaknesses. That's Romans 8, 26, Hebrews 2, 18. And who stands ready always, always to hear and answer your prayer. You know, uh, Kim and Shelby, I'm so glad that God is not like us. I'm thinking as I wrap up uh, my response to your question, what something that Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said, surely the heart is a chameleon. Mm. Surely the heart is a chameleon. Well, we serve a Savior whose heart is not like a chameleon. It doesn't change. It doesn't waver. It doesn't ebb and flow. There's a Savior waiting for you, believer, who understands your weaknesses and who is ready to answer your prayer and to help mature you in that area of your walk with him. So encouraging. Really encouraging. And just how encouraging it is to know that even when we struggle— with the things that you've talked about today, that there's always repentance. Yes, absolutely. And a, and a faithful God who's waiting absolutely. for us to come to him in humility mm-hmm. and to confess our sin and to seek his help. I can't even imagine navigating today's world without the guiding help of the Lord. Yes. Because it's a crazy world out there. It is. It's crazy. <laughs> with new mercies every single with morning. With new mercies every yeah. morning. That's that's the yeah. verse it made me think of in Jeremiah, right? Or Lamentations. Yeah. But thank you so much, Daryl. We greatly gleaned, I think, today from your wisdom. I think we could go on for way longer. This is way (laughs) too short. We almost need to have a part two and three. (laughs) Hey, I'm game for it if you guys want to have me back. (laughs) But we are definitely um, incredibly encouraged at what the Lord has taught us through you. So thank you for that. That's very humbling. Really appreciate you. that. You're going to be a great counselor. Oh, well, yes. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Thank you. Well, before we end our time today, I just want to mention something that Kim and I are really thankful for, and that is accountable to you. We all know that being alone on a phone or computer can easily lead to poor choices. So what can you do to encourage your family's purity in this digital age? Well, we have just a thing for you, and it's called Accountable to You. Accountable to You is simply a software program for all of your devices that promotes openness, transparency, and integrity through comprehensive, easy-to-read reporting. With Accountable to You, you simply upload to your laptops, desktops, and mobile devices, then set an accountability partner for each of those devices. For example, you may want to be the accountability partner for your kids. Sure. While setting your own devices to report to someone like your spouse or someone in your church. Accountability partners will then receive daily and weekly reports on device activity. The system can also send instant text alerts if anything objectionable is detected, so partners can check in immediately. Accountable to You is designed to monitor activity in the background without getting in the way or slowing things down. This is a must-have for anyone, I think, in the digital age who is striving for purity, uh, especially in light of a lot of the things we're talking about today. But you can find them on accountabletoyou.com. That's accountable, the number two, u.com. We also want to mention that there's still time to partner with us in supporting disadvantaged young women interested in attending the master's university by providing scholarship (laughs) assistance. 
As we mentioned in our last episode, every year the Masters University comes across young women who have grown up in various hardship situations, sometimes with no family whatsoever, basically on their own. But they desperately have want to attend the university and have such a huge heart to be here on campus. So we want to do all that we can to try and help bring them into the university to receive the Christ-centered, scripture-based education and discipleship that they have such a strong desire for. So if you'd like to support one of these young women coming from these various types of difficult um, circumstances, the Founders Fund is a great way to do that. Uh, the Founders Fund provides scholarship assistance for new, transferring, and current master's university students. All of these funds are specifically designated to bridge the financial gap for students who have been admitted to the master's university, but they're unable to enroll because they don't have the financial means to make that happen. If you would like to support these young women, simply go to our website, which is womens-hope.masters.edu. That's womens.hope.masters.edu, and you will see a special section to give to the Women's Hope Founders Fund, which I just saw the other day, so I was really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, it's all set up it's for It's all set up. It's all set up and ready to go. But that's a great way to help us to continue to minister to these young women who love the Masters University. Well, that concludes our first podcast for the year 2021. It was such a privilege to have our special guest, Daryl Harrison, and his beautiful wife, Melissa. So grateful she could sit in from the Just Thinking podcast. We are very thankful that you were able to join us. And of course, if you haven't already, we'd highly encourage our listening audience to subscribe to the Just Thinking podcast. You will definitely be greatly edified and encouraged. And you can follow us, the Women's Hope podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We look forward to to our next podcast together. Um, but until then, have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope podcast of the Masters University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. For more information on the Masters University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.